York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm talking straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. Someone said it's fixed. It's fixed. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. So we're all good. Get back. All right. So let's get back to the show. All right. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate it. Yes. So tonight, first quarter, I wasn't impressed with the Knicks play. Um, the first unit, it pretty much was like pass the ball in the perimeter. Then RJ Barrett got the ball. And he was like, oh, let me do, you know, let me do an ISO play and try to get a shot. Then when Randall got the ball, I was like, oh. Let me do an ISO play and try to get a shot. And the first quarter play, the way they were playing offense, I was like, if the Knicks continue to play on offense like this, this is going to be a close game. There's no way the Knicks are going to blow this team out the water because they were pretty stagnant on offense. Then once the second unit started to roll in, that's when the ball movement started to happen and guys were moving off the ball, to you know, which created more – of a flowing offense and then that was when the Knicks started to build the lead going into that second quarter and the Knicks pretty much are and the Knicks pretty much held on to the lead throughout most of the game well throughout the whole game pretty much and there were times where you know they just couldn't put the Pistons away the Pistons were always fighting back but the Knicks were able to hold on so I think what I want to concentrate on first is the Badman RJ Barrett because he definitely stepped up tonight he had 20 points in the first half and finished the game with 30. So, Lee, if you want to offer some thoughts about R.J. Barrett's game. Yeah, I've been thinking these last couple of days since that gnarly Brooklyn blowout that they handed us. That was a, a brutal ass whooping. I've really been thinking about where the Knicks are in comparison to not just the Eastern Conference, but the NBA as a whole. And it, it really feels like that we're kind of – I have to finally admit that we're stuck in the state of purgatory. I think we're, we're too good to be in the lottery to be able to get – a player like Stuart Henderson or Victor Wambanyana without giving up you know, a lot of assets to trade up. And we're also not good enough to be a consistent playoff challenger between that fourth and sixth seed. I think right now we're somewhere between 11th and 12th. We might be able to sneak into the play-in tournament, but I don't really see any of the players on our roster being able to get us to a point to where we can take a step forward beyond that. And Obi really is the only player, his growth and development is the only player I think can get us past that. But as we all know, he's stuck behind Julius Randle. And Julius Randle's up and down. Will he be a good player this year? Will he not? It's just a it's a really tough, difficult conundrum that we found ourselves in where there's not really a whole lot of players with a high ceiling. And the ones that do are stuck on the bench, either because of positional uh, overlap or Tibbs just kind of has a, a short leash with them. Guys like you know Emmanuel Quickly and Cam Reddish and Obi Toppin are not in, in Tibbs' main rotation uh, and it is in, in terms of consistent starters or running plays for them as having opportunities to get a lot of shot shots up. Those are reserved for Brunson, RJ, and Randall. And of the three of them, RJ probably has the highest ceiling. And I like what he's done. He's hitting off to a quicker start than he has in, in the last three years, even though that quick start has had some up and downs for his uh, efficiency shootings in terms of his splits. But his three ball has been much improved this season. I think that took a lot, almost took months last season for him. It didn't turn a rhythm from three. And, and it was a lot of catching three at first, too. And it was by the midseason after All-Star break, he started doing a little bit more um, off-the-dribble, pull-up three-pointers, sidesteps, step-backs. I'm seeing more of that in his bad developing uh, earlier on in the season than usual. So I've been happy to see that, but still kind of been this like, overall malaise that I don't really know how the Knicks move forward from this position they're in 
without making either a serious shift toward rebuild, which means dumping Randall, firing Tibbs, or just going all in and, and try and trade for someone who's not a superstar, but is a star. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Um, the Knicks find themselves in a position where they have a team where, you know, they're good enough to beat the bad teams, but then when they go up against the good teams, that's when it, that's when the deficiencies within the team really shows. And RJ Barrett, he had a great game tonight. Like he had 30 points, efficient from the field. And I think the last six games, he scored over 20 points per game. He shot over, I think he's shooting 47% from the field, 40, 44% from three. So the science for RJ Barrett has really been positive as of late. And he does seem like he's trending up at the moment, but you know, there's still that issue, you know, like you said, you know, the way the roster is set up, like even, like even I think just yesterday or was it earlier today where Derek Rose, they were talking to Derek Rose about his playing time. And he said at the moment, like he's in the unknown in regards to his playing time. And, you know, the way the roster is set up, like you have so many players that they're not going to get the playing time that they need because, there's so many players in that position that are deserving of playing time. So eventually, yes, we know a move is going to have to be made in the future. And, and guys like RJ Barrett, like, do we know his ceiling? You know, like, is his ceiling going to be good enough to get the Knicks to that next level? And even though RJ Barrett has been on the uptick as of late, that still remains to be seen. So... Yeah, the Knicks are going to definitely have to figure out something, you know, and they're definitely going to have to go in a direction, whether it's to go all in for a superstar player or whether it's to just go full rebuild. But And, that, and that's a further conundrum because say we went after Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell, you know, you have to gut the roster to a certain extent. He, there was that rumor that Mitchell said, uh, I can't remember if it was in a, an interview or a podcast, he heard that the trade was R.J. Barrett and like a, a, a ton of picks. Okay, so now R.J. Barrett's not on the team anymore. Now Mitchell is coming to a team that has still overlap in Joyous Randall and Obi Toppin. It has Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson. What's the ceiling on that? To me, that's still a sixth, maybe fifth seed. And now you're stuck with a capped-out roster, long-term salary, no draft picks, and, and now your ability to get better after that, that single move diminishes dramatically. So I, that's why I'm really – the, the Brooklyn loss depressed me. But I think it was the it was the aftertaste from that when I started thinking to myself in the shower, crying to myself, like how can this team actually get better? And there wasn't a whole lot of options for besides tearing it down completely, which Leon Rose doesn't seem like he wants to do, or going all in on a star or superstar. And right now, there's no superstars available that I think can really get this team to next level. And I know you're in Indiana, and this team kind of reminds me of that 2020. 2019 Indiana Pacers team when they had Oladipo, Brogdon, Turner, Sabonis, that talent level where you they're, they're very good, they're professional. All those guys can do a little bit of everything and fill up the bot score, but there's not a single player on that roster that can pop and take you to the next stage. And Indiana was stuck in a, a constant state of purgatory for like 10, 15 years. They had that one blip when they had Dane Granger and Paul George where they might have been able to get over, but Miami Heat beat them, you know, year after year. I feel like the Knicks are right there too. Like there's a lot of comps there between Sabonis and Randall and Brogdon and Brunson uh, during that time, maybe even Oladipo at that time and RJ. And it's like, man, if that's the peak of this team's potential, the depressing. I, I don't really know like, what the Nets move is. 
yeah, I definitely feel your pain on that. And don't mention the Indiana Pacers. And don't mention the Indiana Pacers again because I'm surrounded by <laughs> Pacers against Indiana. So don't, so don't <laughs> make the Pacers again. So. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna get to the next topic. So, um, Lee, you told me before the podcast that there was basically a, a report from, I guess, like another podcast, whatever the case may be, maybe with it, what they were talking about Brunson's game. Can you get into that? Yeah, it's it's been a a point of contention for me. I've, I've been battling with some of the other content creators on on the on Nick's Twitter about Jalen Brunson as a viable answer at point guard, and I understand the frustration that this team is not what we thought they were going to be. Uh, with, with Jalen Brunson, I think the ceiling among all of us, I was dropping 50 burgers from, from game one and continue to drop it. I called in with a 50 burger after that Charlotte uh, overtime win. But I think everyone thought the Knicks would be better than they are right now with Jalen Brunson. And some of the discussions is Brunson can score. He has a bag of tricks. He can score on all three levels. He can get a shot. It's clutch. But can he be a facilitator that this team needs? Because we have a lot of guys in this roster that are not self-initiators. They need a point guard, get them in their rhythm and in positions to where they can meet their full potential. Obi, Mitch, Hartenstein, Reddish, Grimes, all those guys are not self-initiators. Quickly, RJ, Julius, a little bit different. Um, so the, the conversation has been it, two sides. One, Brent is a great store, but he's not the real point guard we need to lead this team forward and make guys better. And the other side is, Brunson is a hell of a, a lot better than the Howard Isley's, Ofer Payton's, you know, Jose Calderon's we've had. And he can get there. He's just still acclimating himself to the rest of the roster and picking and choosing his spots. Uh, and it'll take more than probably half a season or a full season to get to the point to where he's where he needs to be as both a scorer and facilitator at the same time. It took Marbury a while for him to acclimate when he came to the Knicks in the early 2000s. So I'd be on the side of let's be a little bit more patient. I've liked what I've seen from Brunson. Almost scoring 20 points a game and his three-point shooting has been in the toilet. I mean, I don't even think he's breaking 30% right now from three. So and he, tonight, seven assists. He has, he has some good dimes across the board. So I think a little bit more patience is needed. But, you know, I'm going to hear your thoughts and the chat's thoughts on uh, on what, what where do you see Brunson's ability to impact this team? Adding him, are we guaranteeing to play, on, play in, play off, and in the future? Yeah, so I, I just want to get into Brunson's game tonight. So – like I said, Brunson had 21 points, as you mentioned, seven, seven assists. Well, 26 points, he had seven assists, and he shot eight or six from the field, two or five from three. So it's kind of funny because I think if you recall the previous pot, the previous pot we had for the Nets game, and you recall JL is saying that, you know, Brunson kind of chucked in that game, you know, like – you know, he, he, he took a lot of shots, you know, that he wasn't supposed to take or whatever the case may be. But remember, that game, he only took 14 shots. Mm-hmm. This game, he took 16 shots, but he had more assists. He, you, you know, he was able to, you know, find his teammates for open shots and things of that nature. So, you know, and, and honestly, in my opinion, like, I believe, you know, Brunson's taking 14 to 16 shots. I feel like those are the amount of shots he should be taking per game. To me, I don't see that as like him taking too many shots in a game or him actually like putting a priority on scoring. It's just, it's just, it's just a matter of is Brunson getting other teammates involved? Because I can live with Brunson taking 14, 16 shots a game and him getting seven assists a game, getting other teammates involved. I, I don't have an issue with that, especially with Brunson being the efficient scorer that he is. It's just a matter of 
the types of shots he took because, like, for example, in the Nets game, you know, I didn't feel like he chucked, but I do feel like he took a lot of shots that he probably should not have taken based on, you know, the defense around him or whatever the case may be. But I think tonight he actually had better shot selection and took better shots. So with Jalen Brunson, like, do I feel like he can – do I feel like his ceiling is high enough to take this team to the next level? I don't know. Like, I do feel like the Knicks need a bit more. It's not like it's not like Jalen Brunson is going to be like our Lord and Savior and going to have and going to have the Knicks winning like 50, 55 games in the season. Like, he's definitely not that kind of player. You know, they're definitely going to need another piece alongside Jalen Brunson to get the Knicks to the next level. But do I like where Jalen Brunson is at the moment and how he's leading the point guard position? Yes, you know, the Knicks are six and six. They're not having a great season, but I, but more often than not, I do like what I see from Jalen Brunson, especially when I take into account what I've seen from Knicks point guards in recent years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like night and day. So it's like, you know, even though the Knicks still need pieces to get this team to that next level, I still like what Jalen Brunson provides. It's still way better than what we've had in the past, so... Yeah, I think you and I are in agreement and re- look at the chat. Our communities, our children, JT, Reddit, Fritz, they're, they're all in agreement with, with us that I think there's an overreaction being had on Nitz Twitter, as is usually the case with everything Nitz related, uh, about Jalen Brunson's uh, impact and his ability to be a facilitator uh, on the court as a, in, at the point guard position. I also think that this team is adjusting from not having a real point guard for like, I mean, how many seasons has it been? Uh, Jose Calderon, he was bad during the Phil Jackson era, but he was the last time I thought we had someone who was competent at running and orchestrating an offense. Every point guard we had since then, Elf, Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nielakina, none of those guys, um, Emmanuel Moutier, Alec Burtz, those weren't real point guards. Jalen Brunson's a real point guard, and this team is still adjusting from not just running isolation plays for Randall and, and RJ or a, a two-man game between Randall and Fournier or, you know, a, a, a law pass and, and a pick and roll between RJ and Mitch. Those are really, it's been a very simplistic seven, eight plays per quarter for this team for the last three seasons under Tibbs. So it's going to take a while for Jalen Brunson to really acclimate himself and for us to see his full impact as the season goes on. And I also agree with Fritz. I think we will see a 50 burger game from Jalen Brunson. I think he will at some point drop 50. It might be against those nasty Mavs, which would make me very happy to, to see some Mav tears uh, from that fan base and him drop 50 on them. So I'll beat that game in Dallas. So we'll see if it happens. Facts, facts. So I'm going to take a break from the show to shout out the chat because, you know, we got to shout out the chat. So JT Riddick, Fritz, the MVP, fixing the issues when they pop up. Uh, we got... OCOC, our communities, our children. We have who else? Who else is in the chat? Boston Knicks, still Dre. Thank you, everybody that's um tuning in. You know, I know it's not the usual setup. I know y'all missing your man JL is probably trying to hold it down for him as he's on vacation celebrating his birthday. So, all right, let's get into the next topic. Julius Randle. So I know Julius Randle, he's always been that guy that has Knicks fans split. You know, you have half of the fan base that wants Julius Randle here and thinks that Julius Randle is essential to the Knicks. And then you have another half of the fan base that thinks that, okay, you know, Julius Randle, you know, his time is up. The Knicks need to trade him. Obi needs to come in, get those minutes and develop. 
So tonight he had 21 points. He had a bad shooting night, 8 of 18 from the field or 7 from 3. He grabbed 8 rebounds. He had 5 assists, only 2 turnovers. So, I mean, despite the bad shooting night, he actually played, played pretty well. So I guess we know where you kind of are on the Julius Randle scale lead, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, since Julius Randle's a topic right now, you know, expand a bit on, you know, Julius Randle and your thoughts about it. You know, in the before the season, I went on that real long diatribe about what I wanted and my expectations around Julius Randle. And, and I think for the most part, I've seen more good than bad. There have been some times where I was watching some, some breakdown film uh, on, on Twitter, actually, of all places the other day, uh, in that Brooklyn game about how, the, how he was hedging on defense uh, in, in terms of deciding whether to, to double and help out or stay on his man in man-on-man uh, -man situations. And for the most part, I thought he did a pretty good job uh, in that Brooklyn game uh, on defense in terms of that. The problem is, is that this offense and our coach, they're all designed for him to be the man and to be the primary story option. And that shit really gets stuck in his head. And we saw it when he went that that one-on-one -on -one shootout with Kevin Durant, thinking he was on the same level with him and going bucket for bucket. And th that type of play ices out and frees out the rest of the team. Guy just stand in the corners, waiting for him to, to pass it out and just watching him go one-on-one -on -one and either turn the ball over or put up a really poor low percentage shot in the paint, in the mid range and from three. So do I want to, I mean, I've, I've written so many articles ad nauseum on this podcast, on Twitter. I've been a huge advocate and proponent for trading him, but not for peanuts. You know, I, I, want, I don't think we should trade him right now. Let's continue to build him as an asset and see him as an asset. Now, what does that, does that mean we keep him for another season? And next year, he actually builds his, his uh, value to a, a point to where we can get back two unprotected first-round picks. If so, if that is the case, so be it. I'm not saying let's get him out of the door right now. I want to trade him at the point to where he has the highest leverage. And that might have been two seasons ago when he was MIP, but I think we can give him to the point to where we can get his value up and get a good return. And I think Leon Rose knows that too. We've invested a lot in him and built his team around him. So when you trade him, it's going to take also rebuilding the roster as well. Yeah, and I think with Randall, um, I, I agree with you. Like I've definitely seen – more good than bad this season. Even even in this game tonight, I did feel like you know he did he was a bit three happy tonight. You know, like his three his three ball was not going in tonight, and I and I do feel like he should have, you know, tried to like go to the basket more or create easy shot opportunities for himself. And he did create um, easy shot opportunities for his teammates as well, as evidenced by the five assists. So I wouldn't say he had a bad game tonight despite the bad shooting night. The only issue I would have with him is that he took too many, way too many threes. And I feel like the Knicks as a team took way too many threes because they weren't hitting them tonight. Like tonight the Knicks were 10 or 40 from three. So, you know, I feel like sometimes, you know, if the three ball's not falling for you, you know, find other ways to, you know, score the ball. But, you know, it didn't hurt the Knicks tonight. They still won the game. So, um I, I think some of the blame on our defensive lapses, I think we've been dead last in, in the lead on, on guarding the three-point line. A lot of that is how Tibbs prefers his starting lineup to look. He has such an overemphasis on rim protection that he costs a lot of the ability to switch and rotate on the perimeter and guard a three-point line. Because as a, for as athletic and long as Mitch is, it's a lot easier with Randall at the five to rotate it around 
and leaked back out to cover a three-point shot in the corner. But because of his over-reliance on, on Mitchell Robinson or Hartenstein or Sims to be that five, we miss out on a lot of on opportunities when teams are, they already know what our game plan is. Like, all right, they're guarding the pace. Let's just move this ball around until we find the right shot like Brooklyn did and drill it from three. That's happened so many times this season. Sometimes we've gotten lucky and they haven't hit the three-point shots like uh, Minnesota, and other times we get bombed off the court like in the Memphis game and, and, and Brooklyn. So, you know, it's a sacrifice. I, I think we, this team would be a lot more efficient if Randall was the starting five, and that's not, not even an argument for Obi to be the four. I just think it would be a more efficient and more modern team if Randall was a small ball five and otherwise. But to me, he's not even the first guy on the list that I'm like, let's get him out of town. Fournier and Rose have both been really bad. They're both really bad this game, and they've both been really bad this season, if you want to talk about that as well. Yeah, so matter of fact, I definitely was going to get into Fournier later on in the show. Um, I just, I just want to say one more thing regarding Julius Randle that, you know, I do agree that, you know, I do want to trade Julius Randle for the right, you know, for the right piece. Like, I don't want to just get rid of Julius Randle just to get rid of him. You know, I, I do want him to stay with the team for now and continue to grow with this team and see where this team can go. You know, but I, like I said earlier in the show, eventually moves are going to have to be made because the Knicks cannot keep the roster as is and expect them to grow anymore. So eventually a player is going to have to go or a move is going to have to be made that's going to release another player so that that player can have, so that player can have more of a chance to grow and see like what that player's ceiling is. So at the moment, at the moment, huh? What player are you talking about? Is, is, there, is there a player specifically that you're thinking about right now? Because Cam Reddish is starting. RJ starting. Brunson starting. Mitch is starting. What player are you talking about right now? I mean, the two players I'm looking at right now is Obi and Grimes. Those are the two players I'm looking at at the moment. So, yeah. So, eventually, moves are going to have to be made. But right as of right now, I have no issues with Julius Randle. I do like what he has given the team so far this season. He's only had a couple of games where you know, where I really had a problem with his play. You know, for the most part, I've been on board with his play. I, I like what he's given the team so far this season. So, yeah, if they're going to trade Julius Randle, it got to be for the right. It got to be the right trade. It can't be just giving them up for nothing. I'm seeing some people in the chat that are having discussions around Anthony Davis. Now, Ooh. I don't think we talked about this on, on, the, on the podcast, but that's a trade I wouldn't make. I think AD is clearly better than Julius Randle. But AD puts us in a very similar situation as we are now, except you have a player who's hurt. That's one of Randall's best traits is he's conditioned and he's in shape. And he doesn't get hurt very often. AD is constantly hurt. It still keeps Obi on the bench. Or maybe Obi's even a piece that's given up to get AD. And his attitude, conditioning, and overall efficiency have been really bad these last two seasons. I mean, his three-point shot's been god-awful this season. His shot selection and his ability to even play the five in crunch time moments, his attitude's not there. Like, There's a lot of minuses in taking a, a big swing for AD in a trade. It would have to be a really economical one where we're giving up like some, some bench roll pieces, maybe Fournier and one pick. But man, I, I'm, not, I'm not willing to clear our, our draft capital and our young players to bring in AD. I don't think AD, RJ, and Brunson are winning a championship. Maybe Eastern, Eastern Conference Finals, if all goes well, and AD plays every playoff game. But, I mean, even that's low percentage. What do you think? You, you see, like, 
if this was AD coming from New Orleans, I would have, I was definitely 100% on board of, on bringing AD during his New Orleans days. 100%. But now seeing him with the Lakers and seeing how injured he is, I have to admit, I'm scared. I would be scared to make that trade because if I made that trade, I cannot guarantee that AD is going to play at least two thirds of the games when he's here. And if, and what's the sense of bringing AD here if he's going to be injured the majority of his games? If that's the case, we we're better off just sticking with the team we have now then. Yeah. Because that's basically the team we're going to have in the core. So I know what AD can I know what AD can bring to the game. I know AD's easily 20 and 10. When he's healthy, 20 and 10, easy. Maybe two blocks a game, easy. But it's just, it's his health that scares me at the moment. And I don't know if I want to be willing to give up a lot of assets to bring in a player who's often injured. Now, for example, say, say for example, the Knicks were in a situation where it's like, okay, we have a strong team as it is, and we need one more piece. I would, be more, I would be more willing to take a risk then and be like, okay, bring in AD and see if he can, see if AD can stay healthy and bring us over the top. But right now, the Knicks are a 500 team. The ceiling is pretty much middle of the pack right now, and there's no guarantee that when AD comes, the fortunes are going to change, and if he's going to stay healthy. So, I, if I'm if I'm going to make a trade for a superstar, got to be for somebody that's healthy, somebody who, can, who I can guarantee is going to play at least 70 games in the season. And uh, on top of that, Knit, Knit fans might be weary about AD being your, the team's primary option. Does AD want to be a first option on a team again? Does he want to relive the New Orleans days where he's carrying that heavy of a load on offense and defense? I don't think so. I think if AD is going to be moved from the Lakers, he wants to go to another championship contending situation, not a situation where they're almost a playoff contender or they, he, his second best player is Jalen Brunson. He was go with his second best player is an all NBA caliber player, not into a New York situation where they don't have draft picks anymore and very few ways to improve beyond that one trade. And that's where he would be if he came here and teams, the modern NBA, the way things are stealing, it's not the front court players that win you championships anymore. It's a perimeter guys, the Katie's, the Kwai's, Giannis, Luca, Curry. Those are the guys that we've seen in the last couple of years for teams that won championships are their best player. It's rare for the best player to be a front court player anymore. So that also, like, I don't want our first best player to, to be a power forward that doesn't want to play center. You know, like that 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 makes me nervous too, because every team's best like lineup of death usually has their bid at the five and their four out surrounding them with shooters. He doesn't have to play that way. So, you know, it's it's worrisome in a lot of different categories. And for that reason, it would have to be a very, very good deal for us for me to be interested. Otherwise, I'm out. I agree. I agree. So I want to take this time to shout out the chat again. Thank you for hanging out with us on a Friday night. Like I said, you know, JL is couldn't be here tonight because birthday celebrations are gone. Let's go. He's in paradise. So we're here taking over the fort while he's out. So I want to shout out B. Willis, our communities, our children. Picks for Timmy, we outside, you know the deal. <laughs> Fritz, Stanley Mann, Samir Soriano, Pack a Punch. Thank you for being with us tonight. JT Rick, you know the vibes. Thank you for being, thank you for being um, here with us tonight. So the next topic, I think this is going to be an interesting topic because... This is one of those things where it's like, this is why the Knicks need to make moves. So at the moment, you know, Thibs is saying that Quentin Grimes is 
situational, basically meaning that, you know, he needs to get his conditioning up. And then as he gets his conditioning up, he'll get more playing time. But the thing is, is that, okay, it was originally planned for Grimes to be in that starting lineup. But Cam Reddish has come in and he's shown that he can be a vital part of that starting lineup. He's played good defense, you know, offensively, you know, up and down, but defensively he's been pretty strong. And now coming off the bench, you have a guy in Fournier who's earning $18 million a year. So you already know the politics around that. Thibs is not going to bench Fournier and not give him any minutes whatsoever, especially when he's on that kind of deal, that kind of contract. And then, of course, you know, Thibs has to manage egos. You know, Fournier definitely didn't come to the Knicks to sit on the bench. You know, he thought he was going to be a starter. And, and you know, Thibs is trying to do his best for the team at the same time. Mm-hmm. So now you have Fournier. And, and to be real about it, I think they had a stat tonight that said, in Fournier's five games off the bench, he's only scored a total of 16 points. And you yeah. already know if Fournier is not providing anything offensively, he's pretty much useless. Now you have Grimes now where Grimes played tonight and he looked, he looked healthy tonight. He looked strong. You know, he had a couple of drives to the basket, you know, layup. He hit a three-pointer tonight as well. And he looked pretty good tonight. Offensively and defensively, the, you know, the little, you know, spurts he had. So Great. now... Here begs the question because it's going to be hard to play Reddish, Fournier, and Grimes and try to split the minutes between the three players. So there has to come a time where Fournier, the Knicks, the Knicks are going to have to find that man another team because if Fournier is not going to provide anything for the team offensively off the bench, you're better off just playing Grimes and Reddish and just being like, Fournier, you had your time. We appreciate what you've done, but you got to go. So, Lee, what are your thoughts about the whole Cam Reddish, Fournier, Grimes conundrum at the moment that the Knicks have? Man, good question. Um, you know, I know Raw calls Leon Rose the, the Don, and I think he's been great at setting a, d- a different tone for this team and changing the culture. He's also done a very good job in terms of scouting, and drafting, particularly post-lottery, between picks 15 in the first round and at the end of the second round. He's done a really good job finding gems. Where I think he's failed, besides Brunson, is free agency. You know, re-signing Taj and Noel and Burtz, the Kimball Walker experiment and the Evan Fournier experiment have not panned out very well. And I think now it's going to cost the Nets not only that contract, but probably not to attach a pick to Evan Fournier to move him. Because we've waited to the moment to where his value is at the lowest it's been since he's joined the team to try to trade him. Like the guy's barely even averaging five points a game at this point. Like it, when, and it's become abundantly clear in today's game when his three point shot is not on, he's useless. And on defense, he's beyond useless. He's actually a negative. He hurts your team five on four when he's out there on the court. He can't defend anybody, and his effort's not always there in defending either. So, how do you move a player like that who's making $18 million a year with another year guaranteed before you can actually have someone who's expiring? It's going to be very difficult. And, but I think that the time has come for us to move on from him. And you wait till the, 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 you know, the trade deadline, there's going to be some teams desperate enough to maybe like take a second and Fournier for some inspiring money. I, I would take that deal in a heartbeat. 
But the guy that needs to start right now is Cam Reddish. Based on seniority, performance this season, and the fact he's in a contract year. Grimes will get his time. Let Grimes stay on the bench, come off the bench, provide that 3 and D spark. But Cam Reddish is a free agent this summer, and he needs to show Leon Rose why he needs to get paid. And that's what's going to happen day in, day out consistently, you know, by him scoring 10 points or five rebounds. It's going to be a learning process. But by the time he finds his groove, I think in the last four and a half, five months of the season, we're going to see what kind of player he's going to be moving forward and what kind of worth he has in terms of contract. So he's my guy who just about to start. All of us said at preseason, we would love for Cam Reddish to be the starter. We didn't think that he was in the opportunity. Now that he has it, he should keep it. Yeah, most definitely. I definitely agree. You know, Cam Reddish, I think, has earned his spot in the starting lineup, and I feel like he needs to keep that starting spot. He's done his part to earn it. Now, I know the concern with, I know the concern with Grimes is his health, and that is a concern. But at the same time, you know, I still feel like Grimes at this point gives us more than Fournier, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And Fournier does have some playmaking ability to him. Like, I think even tonight, like, he drove into the paint, and I, I think he fed, like, I forgot if it was Brunson or somebody at the corner for three, and they hit it. So it could have been Toppin. I think it was Toppin, but I don't, I don't recall. But he did make a play like that. And, you know, there's definitely positives to Fournier. Like, I don't want to trash him and be like he's some trash player, you know. But with the way this team is set up and what this team needs – you know, I think defense is first priority, you know, because it's not like the Knicks have that one player where they can go to and he's going to drop like 30 every night. Knicks don't have that type of player. So the Knicks have to really hang their hat on the defensive side of the ball to really hang into game, to really hang in games, especially with especially games against better teams. So ultimately, yeah, the Knicks are going to have to find a way, I think, to move Fournier. Um, if it means, if it means attaching a pick, they might just have to do that if, because I don't think you'll be able to balance Cam, Fournier and Grimes and, you know, like Cam is going to get his minutes, but it's going to kind of, it's going to kind of hinder Grimes, um, development with Fournier still there. Cause you know, he's going to have to split minutes between Fournier and Grimes and like I said, I know the concern with Grimes is his health, but at this point, man, I'm just like, we just have to pretty much go forward with trying to develop these young players and see what they got. So, huh? I, think, I think Evan Fournier looked a lot better in Orlando because of the, the amount of spacing they had on that team. I mean, Nikola Vucevic was, he's a, he's a very talented center in the block. He can score. He has an array of post moves. But he also stretched the floor a lot at the three-point line. He, he operated out of the high post a lot as well. He provided some operating room there in the mid-range for Fournier to start doing some either the facilitating or, you know, getting get in the air and deciding whether to pass it off, to find a lob, or to store it on his own. He doesn't have that space in here in New York. He always has a pretty flat-footed center in the paint playing alongside him. And either Obi or Julius in there as well. So RJ plays, you know, below the three-point line too. Brunson plays below the three-point line. So that that space that he was used to in Orlando, he doesn't have have it here in New York. And we haven't really given him an opportunity or played him with other players that give him a little bit better spacing um, when, when he's out there. The bench is a little bit better than the starting lineup, but still, he's not operating with the, with the same level of of distance and space that he had 
with, with the matches. So that's probably been a problem for him and a, and a big learning curve for him as well. So, you know, send him to a team that has that Denver, Dallas could really use someone who can put the ball on the floor and, and get their shot on their own. But, you know, New York's just not, not the right place for him. We need perimeter defense bad. He doesn't help with that. And he's one of the reasons why we've been the worst defend, the worst uh, defense on the perimeter all, all, all year. So, Yeah, pretty much. So I'm going to go back to the chat. Thank you for being here with us on a Friday night. Let's go. Yes, Boston Nick, Fritz, best mod in the game. B. Willis, picks for Timmy. OCC and everybody else, thank you for being with us tonight. And I think, you know, we've talked about pretty much everything that we need to touch on tonight. Mm -hmm. um, the, ne the next Knicks game is on Sunday against OKC in Oklahoma City. So we get to see SGA up close and personal. And yeah, that should be a pretty good game. Oh, we got a super chat. Oh, Super Chat. Okay. JT okay. Reddick. JT Reddick, 499 Super Chat. Your happy birthday to Jay Ellis. Shout out to Lee and Ryan G on the ones and twos. Your. Appreciate okay. you, homie. I mean, thank you, JT Reddick. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's our show. We pretty much touched on everything that we need to talk about. Yeah, that OKC game is going to be an early one. I think it's uh, at noon for my East Coast peeps. So, you know, we'll be here bright and early with a cup of coffee talking next on that day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Most definitely. So, Lee, tell the people where they can find you. Man, I, I love the chat, bro. I love talking to y'all. I mean, I'm always having a lot of fun with uh, Pits for Timmy and Boston Nick here in the chat. I really appreciate you guys keeping it lively for us. You can hit me on Twitter. I'm always roasting these math fans here in Dallas. At underscore Lee Estrebedo, L E E E S C O B E D O. Uh, I'm going to drop another article that I'm pretty proud of that came out for Deadspin this week uh, for y'all to enjoy. Yes, yes, yes. And um, you can find me on Instagram at Sergius Chillin. That's S I R G is C H I L N L L I. And you can also find me at Sergius Corner, Twitter, Ryan G K O T. And of course, you know, you can follow the Nick of Time show. Uh, what's the Twitter handle again? I think it's the KOT show. Um, also on Instagram, the Nick of Time show. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, wherever, wherever you can stream podcasts. We're on there. You know the vibes. So that's our show, everybody. Thank you for staying up with us. Thank you for supporting the Ryan G. Lee connection. Let's Happy birthday, man. Enjoy your time out in paradise. Scorp gang, we here. And everybody, have a good night. We appreciate y'all. Thanks, Ryan.